2022 ACB Virtual DC Leadership Meetings will be held Saturday, March 12th through Tuesday, March 15th. Registration is $20 for ACB members and $30 for non-members. ACB members were sent a discount code via email. If you are an ACB member and did not receive the discount code, please call the Minneapolis office at 612-332-3242. Registration closes March 9th. Visit acb.org for more information or register at https slash slash tinyurl.com slash 2022-DC-Leadership-Meetings. Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the content creators and should not be assumed to reflect public endorsements or the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Uh, good evening, everybody. I'm Chris Peterson, president, founder, and CEO, not necessarily in that order, of Penny Forward. Penny Forward is a community of blind people building bright futures one penny at a time. In other words, we are people that believe in financial independence through saving, investing, improving our credit score, and uh, just generally becoming financially healthy. Um, Penny Forward is a nonprofit organization incorporated in the state of Minnesota. Uh, we, are, we have applied for and are waiting to receive our 501c3 federal tax exempt status. Um, and we are looking for people to become involved in our movement. We are developing and delivering one-on-one -on -one and group financial education programs uh, for people who are blind. And all of those programs are accessible and we aim to make them affordable. So if that is something that you're interested in taking advantage of, either as a student or as a volunteer helping us to, to build these programs, um, I hope that you'll visit pennyforward.com, that is our website, and learn more about who we are and what we do. One of our most prominent offerings right now is the Penny Forward podcast. Uh, the Penny Forward podcast teaches a little bit of personal finance, and it teaches a lot about how to be blind in lots of different ways. Uh, this, the, the current guest of the Penny Forward podcast is someone named Sherry Wells Jensen. She is a, a professor of linguistics at Bowling Green State University, but she's interesting because she's working with an organization called Mission Astro Access, which is studying what it's going to take to make outer space accessible to people with disabilities. Uh, Sherry is, is blind herself, and she just participated in a, an experiment that Mission Astro Access uh, did recently, uh, where they had a zero gravity training flight that was um, participated in by uh, people with lots of different disabilities, uh, blind, blindness, deafness, uh, various physical disabilities. Um, and uh, if you don't know anything about how these flights work, basically the, there's an airplane that goes up and and uh, kind of uh, goes into a controlled fall 
over and over and over again. And during these 20 or 30 second periods, while the, the airplane is in a controlled fall, it, it feels like you're in zero gravity, like you would be in space. And uh, Sherry was one of the participants in, in that flight. There will be more flights. There will be other activities that Mission Astro Access is, is doing. But uh, they're interested in this because when people move out into space and they live there and work there for longer periods of time, people are inevitably going to become disabled and they may not be able to come back. And so it is important to learn what it's going to take to make space accessible for those people, but also they want to make sure that space is accessible to people who go into space as people with disabilities, because people are going to want to do that as tourists or, or as workers. And uh, it's, it's really important that um, any environment that we choose to work in is, is accessible to us. And, and so uh, Sherry and Mission Astro Access do believe that at some point in our future, there will be blind people living and working in space. And uh, they're trying to figure out how to make that a good and uh, safe and uh, effective experience. And uh, I thought it was a really exciting episode. So um, some of you might remember that years ago, I did another podcast called The Space Report, where I reported on space news um, once a week for about five minutes. And uh, I've always been a space nut. And so this was a particularly uh, exciting episode for, for me this, uh, this time around. Also, coming up in, um, in a few days, on, uh, on Tuesday, February 22nd, we will be uh, releasing part one of a two-part interview with George Wurzel, uh, you may recognize George from a 2018 Subaru Outback commercial that he was in where uh, a, uh, a blind, uh, an older blind man um, takes uh, a couple of uh, tourists on uh, a trip of a lifetime in their Subaru, of course. And uh, George was the guy in that commercial. But you may not know that George is a blind woodworker and a very successful one. He has been uh, running various woodworking businesses for the last 50 years and has been, been really successful at it and uh, has a lot of um, experience to share and also some advice to share about uh, what he thinks it, it takes to be successful as a blind person in a, what you might call a non-traditional job. Uh, so I hope you'll check that out also. Again, all of that stuff is available on pennyforward.com. I'm going to apologize up front for my voice. Uh, last month, I was sick during this call. And this month, I am also sick, not with the same illness. It just happened to work out that way. So I'm, I, I'm uh, a, little bit, uh, a little bit hoarse but we'll muddle through. Um, before we get started with the topic, I would also like to thank ACB Next Generation. Uh, it, they're an affiliate that serves uh, people in the ACB community that are ages 18 to 40. So uh, everybody from students 
up through uh, young families or, or middle-aged families. It's a great affiliate and uh, you don't have to be in the 18 to 40 age range in order to join. Uh, you can join as a supporting member, which I am, um, even if you are uh, outside of that age range. And uh, I'm a supporting member because when I became involved in ACB, um, I want to say about 15, 16 years ago now, um, I, you know, I kind of felt like I didn't fit in very well. Uh, I wasn't a student anymore, so I didn't fit very well into the student affiliate. Um, and uh, so I, I wished that an organization like ACB Next Generation had existed at the time that I became involved. And now it does. So I'm happy to be and, and proud to be a supporter of them. You can find out more information about them at their website, acbnextgeneration.org. And I will give out all of this information again at the end of the call. So uh, if it's going by too fast, know that it will come by again. All right. So tonight we are going to be talking about credit reputation. Um, why do I call it credit reputation? Because that's exactly what it is. Uh, you, may, you may know that you have a credit score or that you have multiple credit scores. You may know that you have a credit report, but tonight we are going to talk about why those things exist and how they work and what you can do to, um, well, let's say what you can do to, to, to build your reputation so that uh, you have a higher credit score and, and uh, look good to lenders. Before we get started with that, though, um, I'm just going to take a quick run around the room. Um, and Natalie, I'll, I'll ask you to let everybody know how to, how to raise their hands and, and unmute in a second here. Um, but I'm going to ask the question, would you lend money to a perfect stranger? And if the answer is no, and I'm guessing that for most of you, it probably is. Can you tell me why you wouldn't and what it might take to get you to change your mind? So Natalie, go ahead and let everybody know how they can raise their hands. And, and I'd just like to get from a couple of you what your thoughts about this are. Okay. Um, so before we raise hands, you do have to hit the got it button. Um, so you can, if you're on a um, computer, you would tab to that. If you are on a um, smartphone or tablet, you would flick to it. And um, I believe it says, okay, on a smartphone or tablet. Um, and then on a landline, you do nothing. But um, to raise your hand on a PC, it is Alt-Y. Um, and then to mute and unmute yourself on a PC, it is Alt-A. If you are on a Mac, to raise your hand, it is option Y. And to mute and unmute on a Mac, it is um, command shift A. And um, to, on a smartphone or tablet, raise your hand is under the more option. And um, mute and unmute is on the lower left hand of your screen. And on a um, landline, it is star nine to raise your hand and mute and unmute is star six. 
and you have some hands raised. Chris, do you want me to? Yeah. Um, uh, looks like Deanna was the first one to yes. raise her hand. So um, Deanna, why don't you go ahead? What, what are your thoughts? Would you lend money to a stranger and, and what might convince you to, if you, if you wouldn't. Probably if I had it to spare, because if someone is in trouble, um, I'm a very sympathetic person. So I make it a policy not to loan money to anyone unless I can afford not to get it back. Because if for whatever reason I never repaid, I don't want to hurt my own family or my own responsibilities. So I first think, can I spare it? And if I don't get it back, is it going to, to you know, ruin my friendship with this person or, or cause a problem? Because if I am going to be resentful about it, because it puts me short for paying one of my bills, then I figure it's not worth the risk. But um, otherwise, I'm a pretty soft touch. My neighbor just came by and asked for 10 to 15 because he needed some gas and I gave him a 20. <laughs> but he's not a stranger. He's a neighbor. Okay. Well, thank you, Deanna. That's, uh, those are interesting points and, um, and an interesting point of view. And um, you know, good for you. I think you're uh, you're maybe more um, uh, maybe you're more uh, compassionate than some of us would be in in this kind of a situation. Diane, I see that you have your hand raised. Um, why don't you go ahead? Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, we got <laughs> we got a vacuum cleaner going. I'm trying to get away from it. Um, well, yeah. I mean. You said you said loaning money to a complete stranger, and I I would have to. Of course, it would part of it would depend on how much they wanted to borrow from me, but um, <laughs> I would be. Um, I would certainly want to be able to find out if if they were going to be able to pay me back. You know, if I expected them to pay me back, which I think in a, in a comp with a complete stranger, I, I probably would. Um, so I, I don't know how I would go about finding that out, you know, unless I like maybe, you know, heard experiences from people that knew them or something. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I would, really be interested in finding out if they could pay me back and of course I would I would consider the amount that they wanted to borrow. Great. Thanks Diane. That is uh uh that is that is really good. I appreciate that. There is a phone number that ends in 254 and it looks like it's a 248 area code. If you could star six. Hi, I'm there the you. one that ends in nine, two, five, four. Yeah, there and you I'm go. Laura, I'm Laura from Michigan. I tried talking and nobody responded. So I said, uh oh, I guess they can't hear me. Um, I would, I would uh, think about letting the person money if they had, depending on the situation that they were in. Um, I would also 
consider what the what the why they wanted it. But I guess I would view it as well. I would do it as can I do without the money? So I would look at it as either a gift or my random act of con- kindness for a while, depending on how much it was, in case I didn't get it back. Um, I think it's really hard because many of us are empathetic towards other people with different needs, especially now in the pandemic with different things going on. Um I think the other way of viewing it would be, no, I wouldn't lend money at all. But I think if I did that, I'm not sure I could live totally with myself. If I have a conscience that says, did you help someone today? Thank you, Laura. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Uh, Anthony is next. Anthony? Well, I'm going to sound a little harsh, but uh, I agree. Uh, I agree completely with uh, uh, the the first. Uh, uh, what's her name? Noriega. Uh, I agree with that lady completely. Completely. Uh, my grandmother always said, "Lend a dollar and make an enemy." And uh, it's true what she said about uh, lending and lending money and uh, not being able to get it back when it hurt. And I was in that situation a couple times, and I didn't get the money back, and that was the end of that. So um, I don't know enough about money uh, to lend it out. So. I would probably say no. Okay, great. Thanks, Anthony. Um, The last person that I see is Cynthia. Cynthia, go ahead, please. Hello, everybody. Thank you. Well, I'm just going to say it this way. I am a kind-hearted person. I love to give and I love to help. And I was always taught that you never lend money to a friend, a family member, and definitely not a stranger unless you do not expect to receive it back. So with that being said, I wouldn't loan it to them. It depending on what it is that they need. I don't even have to know what it's for. If they need it and I have it and can spare it, I would give it to them without expecting it back. Because if it's a complete stranger, who knows if I'm going to ever see that person again. But with the kindness of my heart, as, as everyone else said, if I can afford it and not miss it, I would just give it to them and not expect it back. And if we swap numbers and they decide to come back and give it to me, all good and dandy. And if not, I never expected it back from the beginning. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Um, I see one other person that that has their hand raised, and then I'm going to move on from this question. So um, the uh, the person that I see is a 505 area code. That ends in 638. Yes, hello. Hi. I'm Beth from New Mexico. Hi, Beth. Go ahead. And the question was what? So the question is, is uh, would you lend money if you had it to a stranger? And if you wouldn't, 
Is there anything that you can think of that would change your mind? Um, yeah, there's some, I may ask them why they needed it or why they wanted it. And it was, if it was something like to buy their children, oh, some food or something like that, or like now in this pandemic, uh, uh, if they needed something really dire, I probably would lend it, but I agree with the other people. I, I might not expect to get it back because um, they might not be able to right away. Now, if they did come back and pay me, that would be nice. Uh, and I wouldn't lend too much because I, I couldn't put myself in jeopardy either, you know. If I had it to lend, I may lend 20, 25. Ew. Okay. I'm there. Uh, great. Thank you, Beth. I appreciate that. Um, so uh, a couple of people have gotten sort of to the root of, of the question here. Uh, a lot of people feel like they would, they would rather give the money away because they don't expect it to be paid back. Um, and I love your generosity. And uh, I, I too give money. I, I give money away and don't usually expect it to be paid back. Um, but if I'm going to loan somebody money, I want to know that they're going to pay it back. I want to know that they're able to pay it back. And I also want to know that they will pay it back because they're two different things. Um, just because somebody has the money to pay you back or will have the money to pay you back doesn't mean that they will use that money to pay you back. Um, so this is what credit reputation is all about. When you go to a bank and you ask them to lend you money, or if you ask them to give you a credit card, which is also lending you money, they want to know that you are able to pay it back and that you will pay it back. And the way that they know that is by hearing from their friends which are usually other banks that in the past you have borrowed money and you have paid that money back and you've paid it back on time. Uh, the difference between a bank and a person is a bank isn't necessarily very generous. Um, in fact, banks do often give away money to nonprofit organizations and, and causes that are important to us, uh, to the community, but they don't usually give away money to individual people, but they do lend money to individual people. Uh, but even when they lend money to individual people, that money isn't just money that comes from the bank that's owned by the bank. That's money that somebody else put in the bank and expected the bank to keep safe for some period of time. So uh, if you're putting money into a bank and that bank is lending that money to somebody else, then not only does the bank need to know that they're going to be able to get that money back, but you as the depositor or the person that put the money in the bank also 
want to know that you're going to be able to get your money out of the bank when you need it. And that in a nutshell is how banks work. So, uh, so what happens? Um, anytime you borrow money, uh, and borrowing money can mean getting a loan, like a student loan or a mortgage or a car loan or a personal loan or a business loan. There's lots of different types of loans. Anytime you get a loan or anytime you use a credit card or a revolving line of credit, um, a, an entry is made on something called a credit report. And credit reports are compiled by three different companies. They're called credit bureaus. And their names are um, Experian, Equifax, and TransUnion. And it, <laughs> excuse me. And it doesn't matter if you remember all three of those names off the top of your head, but know that you have three different credit reports. Most of the time, they have the same information on them because uh, most of the time when you use a credit card or when you take out a loan, uh, the bank that you're working with sends that information to all three of those companies. But every once in a while, something gets lost, uh, some kind of mistake gets made and doesn't get caught. And uh, so the information that's on your credit report from one of those companies might be different from the other two. Uh, so uh, the, the fact that there are three companies kind of is a, is a good cross check that can uh, kind of help you to know whether things are right or wrong. If, if uh, everything looks the same, on your credit reports from all three companies, it's likely that it's right. Um, but if there are differences, it's likely that there's a, a mistake that was made, and um, maybe you have the uh, uh, maybe you can get that mistake cleaned up. So, what is the credit report for? Again, anytime you ask a bank to lend you money, either by taking out a loan or by opening up a credit card they're going to check to see if, if it looks like they'll be able to get their money back from you if you borrow it. And they do that by going and electronically asking all three of these companies or sometimes just one or two for a copy of your credit report. And when they get that copy of your credit report, they'll be able to see whether you uh, they'll be able to see how you've used your credit in the past, whether you've had, had credit cards before, how much you've used them, whether you've paid them back on time. We'll go into a lot of the details, but uh, they use that information to decide whether, whether you're going to loan, whether they're going to loan you money again uh, or not. And what they're really trying to figure out is, is can you afford to pay the money back? And will you pay the money back? Or have you paid the money back that you've borrowed in the past? Because if you haven't, then it seems more likely that you won't again. 
But if you have, then it seems more likely that they can expect to get their payments on time every time. And that's really what they're looking for is they lend you money. They want that money paid back and they want the payments received on time every time. They don't want you to miss. Um, <clears throat> now, how does that um, turn into a credit score? Well, a credit score is basically a number that summarizes what's on your credit report. Um, and it has a, a few different things that go into it, but uh, um, but in short, it's a number from around 320 through 850. Uh, 850 being the best possible credit score you can have and 320 being the worst. Um, and the higher the credit score you have, the better your reputation is with the bank. In other words, the bank doesn't necessarily go and and read your whole credit report and see what it says and see who you've borrowed money from or where you've borrowed money from or how much or whether you've made on-time payments or not. They start out by looking at your credit score. And if your credit score is really high, they know right away, this is someone that I think I can trust to pay me the money back. And if your credit score is lower, it doesn't mean that you're not trustworthy necessarily, but it means that they need to look at you. They, they need to look at your credit report more closely and uh, try and figure out what's going on. And if it's real low, um, then it's likely that they could either decide not to lend you money at all, um, or they could decide that you need to make higher payments when you pay the money back. So it becomes more expensive for you to borrow money. So again, a credit score is a number that provides the bank with a very quick summary of what's on your credit report. And there are three different credit scores, one for each of your three different credit reports from Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion. And to make things more complicated, there are different models or different formulas that can be used to calculate the credit score. And different banks use, use different formulas. Um, the most common one is the FICO score. Uh, and there's also a, a competing model or a competing formula called Vantage score. And it's not terribly important. And in fact, nobody knows because they're proprietary formulas that, you know, that the banks don't, uh, don't really explain to us. So nobody really knows exactly what goes into the, those calculations. Um, but we are told um, about the five variables that are used to make the calculations and, and basically how they, they affect our credit score. And so we'll be talking about that in a minute. Um, first things first, though, your credit report is something that you should, uh, actually, all three of your credit reports, there's something that you should look at once a year 
Uh, during the pandemic, you can actually request them more often uh, because of the pandemic. Um, but uh, you should know what's on your credit report because it's possible that somebody has made a mistake. And uh, I'll give you an example of this. I, when I went to buy my first home, um, I went into the bank and uh, applied for a mortgage and they pulled my credit report and they said, uh, do you own a trucking company? And uh, I said, do I look like I own a trucking company? So there was a mistake on my credit report where they, uh, where, where uh, somebody thought that I uh, owned a truck, a trucking company and uh, that needed to be corrected in order for me to to get a home loan for my first home. So it's better to know this stuff before the bank asks you. And it's pretty easy to get copies of your credit report. You can, even, you can do it one of two ways, depending on which way you're more comfortable with. You can do it by phone. And the phone number for that is 877 877- <laughs> Excuse me, 322-8228. And I'll give you that number again um, so you have a chance to copy it down. It's 877-322-8228. If you call that number, you will be able to navigate through a touch-tone system that will allow you to request your credit report in large print or audio CD or Braille. Um, so uh, if, if you want your credit report in one of those formats, then you need to call that number. If you want your credit report in an accessible PDF, and I know how we feel about PDFs, but uh, the PDF is accessible, meaning that it complies with accessibility standards, not that it's necessarily pleasant to read. If you want it in an accessible PDF, you can download it from annualcreditreport.com. This is really important. This is the only official site for getting your credit reports. It's annualcreditreport.com. There are lots and lots of other sites that claim to get you your credit report for free, like freecreditreport.com, Credit Karma. There very well might be a annualcreditreport.org or .net or something. Some of these are legit and will get you a copy of your credit report for free. And they will show you ads trying to get you to sign up for, for services that you pay for. And some of them are actually scams. So the place to go to get your actual official credit report for free, it doesn't cost you anything, and it is not a scam, is annualcreditreport.com. Any other site is a site that you should do some research into and make sure that it's legit before you access it. A site like Credit Karma is legit. It's just that they are, in, in addition to um, 
showing you or giving you access to your credit report, they are also trying to sell you services. And that's okay if you understand that that's what they're doing. But uh, annualcreditreport.com is the uh, is the legit uh, official way of getting your credit report online. Um, and of course, if you want it in Braille or large print or audio CD, uh, that is um, something you need to do by phone. And the number again is 877-322-8228. It's real easy to do. Uh, I've done it myself and uh, it's, it's really slick. All right. Um, so what makes up a credit score and how does it, how does do changes in these variables affect credit scores? As I said, a credit score is a number between 320 and 850, with 850 being the best. And the number one most important part of a credit score is on-time payment history. The best way to make your credit score go up is to make on-time payments every time. Now, that kind of means that you have to actually use uh, borrow some money in order to make your credit score go up. Um, and you can never miss a payment. Um, so it's important to only borrow money if you know that you are going to be able to pay it back because this is the most important part of a credit score, on-time payments. Make your payments on time, your credit score will go up. Miss a payment and your credit score will go down. It's as simple as that. The second most important component of a credit score is called credit utilization ratio. And this is a complicated sounding term, but it's a really simple concept. When you, when you apply for a credit card, your credit card has a credit limit. When I first applied for my first credit card back when I was 18 years old, uh, and I had no idea what I was doing with uh, with credit cards at all, my credit my credit limit was a thousand dollars, which meant that I could borrow as much as a thousand dollars on on that credit card, and if I borrowed any more than a thousand dollars, then I had to pay some back before I could borrow any more money. So. Every credit card has a credit limit. The closer you get to that limit, the higher your credit utilization ratio gets and the lower your credit score will drop. So, you know, this is kind of a, it's kind of a catch 22 sort of a thing. Uh, you, you make your payments on time and your credit score goes up, but you borrow more money and your credit score goes down. So the best way to keep your credit score up is to borrow money sparingly because they don't really care how much you're paying back when they measure on-time payments. They just care that you're paying it back. So if you do something like 
put a Netflix bill for $15 a month on a credit card and you pay that off every month um, and you never miss a payment, that's a really good way to make your credit score go up. If, however, you use a credit card that has a $2,000 limit to buy a $2,000 laptop computer, that's going to make your credit score go down until you pay that money back, which could take a very long time. So the best ways to keep your credit score going up are to make on-time payments and to use credit very sparingly. The third, and when I get down to these last three uh, components or factors in a credit score, these uh, are much, much less important, but they're still important. Uh, the third most important part of a, of, of a credit score calculation is the age of your credit. In other words, they want to know how long you have been using credit cards or borrowing money from banks. And they do that by looking at the age of your oldest open account. So it may be very tempting if you are not using a credit card anymore, it may be very tempting to ask the bank to close that credit card because, hey, I just don't need this anymore. I'm not going to use it. But when you do that, it's no longer an open account and it drops off of your credit report. And so it looks to the banks like you haven't been using credit for a very long time. They want to know that you've been making on-time payments and using credit sparingly for a long period of time, because the longer you've done that, the more likely it is to them that you're going to be good at paying the money back to, to that bank when, when you ask them to borrow money. So when you are not using a credit card, keep that account open. Maybe put a very small bill on it um, and pay that bill off every month just to keep that credit card open because if you let that account close, then it's going to look like the age of your oldest account is, is less than it actually is. And in this case, older is definitely better. All right. The next, and we're getting down to the last two, uh, two factors here. The next most uh, important factor on your credit score, and it only makes up about 10% of your overall score. So it's not, it's not nearly as important as those first two on-time payments and using credit sparingly. It's credit mix. Banks want to see that you use credit or that you borrow money in lots of different ways. And if you do that in lots of different ways and you've made your payments on time and you've used credit sparingly only when you needed to, uh, then it looks like you're, you're going to uh, be able to, um, to pay the money back that, that you're asking them to borrow. 
So they're looking for a nice mix of different types of, of credit, maybe one or two credit cards, maybe a home mortgage, maybe a personal loan here or there, or a student loan that's been paid off, and uh, maybe a car loan. A lot of us that are blind don't have cars, don't need cars, but some of us do. Uh, I've had a car loan to buy a car for my my wife who's sighted. So a, a car loan is a possibility for some of us. And uh, having those different types of loans in, in the mix with your credit cards looks good to the bank. So, uh, you know, don't, um, don't just open up a credit card and, and then never borrow money again. This is a balancing act though, because I'm not, I'm not, I'm also not telling you to borrow money for everything because that would be unwise. You want to borrow money when you can, when you know, for sure, can't stress this enough when you know for sure that you are going to be able to pay it back on time every time. Last thing. Credit inquiries. This is a another kind of sort of complicated sounding term, and I'm going to explain to you what it means. Anytime, anytime you open up a loan, or ask for a loan. Anytime you open up a, a, a credit card, like apply for a credit card, anytime anything like that happens, the bank uh, goes and pulls a copy of your credit report from at least one of the three credit bureaus, if not all three. We, that, we talked about that right at the beginning. And each time they do that, uh, the credit bureaus put a, a note on your credit report saying, Capital One just pulled a copy of Chris Peterson's credit report. Those are called credit inquiries. And the bank looks, those, looks at those because the more times you apply for different types of credit, especially in a short period of time, the more likely it is that you might be a little bit desperate and uh, that you might have trouble paying back the money that you're trying to borrow. So it's important to be careful um, when you're borrowing money. I mean, of course you want to shop around a little bit, but it's also important to be careful to borrow money when you know that your application is likely to be accepted and that you know that you're going to be able to pay the money back. Because if you have to shop around too much, could look like you're having trouble getting credit from other banks. And if you're having trouble, then it gets the bank that you're, that has just recently looked at your credit report, it gets them a little worried. It gets them a little worried. And uh, when it gets them worried, then they might not want to lend you money and 
Even if they do, they might want to charge you higher payments in order to pay it back. So you want to keep your number of credit inquiries down to a couple a year. A couple a year is pretty good. If you get about four or five in a year, that's when the banks start to get real worried. So, uh, so to summarize, the ways to keep your credit score going up, and this isn't a quick process, it's a, it's a slow process, use credit sparingly and make your payments on time every time. Use different types of credit. Don't just get credit cards. Get other types of loans when you can. And don't apply for credit too often because you want to keep that number of credit inquiries kind of low. Just a few times a year is, is enough. And finally, when you're done using a, a, a line of credit, like a credit card, keep it open so that uh, the age of your oldest account is, uh, is constantly getting older. Just don't, uh, you know, don't, don't close it. Doesn't mean you have to use the card. Although some credit card companies will close your account if you haven't used it in a year or so. So you may, you may need to use your unused cards like once or twice a year just to be safe. But uh, um, but you don't have to use it. You just have to keep it open. And that's it. It's as simple as that. You're, you're trying to make yourself look good to the banks. And when you look better to the banks, they feel more confident about you paying back money that you're asking to borrow. And that also makes your credit score go up. And uh, it's kind of the same thing as building a reputation. Like if you kind of going back to the way we talked about, uh, about the, the, the first question, I forget who it was that said it, but uh, <clears throat> at least one person said that uh, if they were asked to lend money to a stranger, they would want to know how they could get it back. And, and uh, maybe one way they could figure out whether they were going to get it back would be to get like recommendations from, from friends, like mutual friends. So this is all this is, is a, a credit report. It feels complicated and I hope I've been able to simplify it for you. All it is, is the banks who are friends with each other, letting each other know who's good for money that they're lending out and who's not. All right. We've got a few minutes before the top of the hour. Um, and as a reminder, at uh, I'm sorry, the bottom of the hour. At the bottom of the hour, we drop off ACB radio and we do stay around for an extra half hour to let people ask questions either related to this credit topic that we were just talking about or related to any other topic that might be on your mind. Um, and we do that off of ACB radio because you know we want to we want you to feel a little bit more confident to uh, uh, to feel like you're you're able to ask your questions in a smaller space. 
but we can take a couple of questions in the last 10 minutes or so. So uh, uh, go ahead and raise your hand if you would like to. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll take one or two questions. Do you want me to call on them, Chris, or do you have them? Um, I was just swapping over there to look. Oh, to okay. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. Uh, uh, thanks. Um, Deanna, uh, you have your hand raised, it looks like. So go ahead, please. It's until the 1970s, I think about midway through, that women could actually apply for and get credit cards in their own names. So it took me a while, but in the 80s, I decided that it was really important for me to have <coughs> at least one or possibly two credit cards in my name because then all of our credit wasn't under my husband's name. And when you have a sighted spouse, it's a temptation to let them handle it all because it's a lot of print coming in and out. But it really is important, because especially for someone like me who's been in a long-term marriage that you have options and the ability to um, handle things as you get older because you don't want your husband like a friend of mine who died very suddenly in his mid-50s and she didn't know where any policies were, life insurance. She didn't know anything about his retirement. She knew nothing thing about it because he had done it all and that's not a good place to be so that's just one thing that I think that that women on this call ought to be aware of is establishing your own separate credit even if it's just a couple of credit cards you might pick one up at a department store like a JC Penney's or something like that and only buy your husband's birthday gift from there but and then pay it off or save up the money for something that you wanted, like a new dining room table, but then go and shop and buy the table on a 90-day loan. You've got the money already, and you pay it off. Things like that will help you establish credit um, when you're not the, the wage earner or you're not the one that's handling the bills. Thanks, Deanna. And, you know, that's an interesting point. And, and it's one that I, I know I forget about. I'm 44 years old and uh, was born in the late seventies. So, you know, by the time, by the time I was married, women had the, had the right to get a credit card in their own name. Um, but uh, it's important for us to remember how far we've come in that respect, because the 1970s weren't, weren't that long ago. I was born in 1977 and, uh, and Deanna is absolutely right. Uh, it, it is, it is good for you to be involved in your money, uh, in your family's money. And it's good to be involved in your own money. Um, because things can happen. Uh, Diane's got her hand raised. Diane, go ahead. Yeah, um, I I was going to make the comment. Um, I I have a couple credit cards in my own name, and uh, my husband and I both have a a, a bank loan. Um, and 
I really like what being able to work online um, has has done for us because um, first of all, the banks like it. If we have, you know, if we set up a regular payment and it comes out um, every month um, and we both pay our uh, credit cards online and, um, you know, so we get reminder notifications and of course, we the, the sites I use are quite accessible, so I can read everything and go over it. Um, and so I, I, I would urge people, if they're comfortable working online, um, you know, to do that. I, we, we found it very helpful over the years. Diane, if you don't mind me asking, what are your favorite sites for working with this kind of thing? Um. I do have an Apple card and the Apple card is um, extremely accessible, of course, because it works with the wallet app on your phone. Um, I have a bank credit card, which isn't quite as accessible, but I I figured out how to work around um, to use it. And, you know, there is going to be a variation, I think, from one site to another. So you kind of have to maybe shop around to find the ones that are most accessible for you. But yeah, the Apple card, I love. Oh, that's, that's really good to know. I don't have an Apple card. I have uh, a chase and capital one and us bank, and they all have very nice accessible apps that I like. Um, and I, uh, but I'm always curious to hear how, uh, how people feel about their, the banks that they're using uh, in, the last couple of minutes, we don't have a lot of time, but I want to get to Sierra. So Sierra, go ahead, please. Hello. Um, so uh, this is my first time on this call. Um, and the funny thing is me and my mom are just now talking about credit stuff. And I, and I come to my email and I find this call and I'm like, wow, they're talking about credits and all that. So um, and I was just like, when she would ask me, like, she was just like, do you want to start getting a credit? And I was like, I don't know, because I don't really know much about this stuff. And I, I don't really do well with change. And I'm like, I don't know if I want to do this because I have a debit card and I can just buy things. But like, apparently what she's telling me is with credit, like... It's like the government is paying for stuff. Um, so, Sierra, why don't you hang on? Because I'd like to talk about this a little bit more. But uh, I want to, because we're about to drop off of ACB Radio, I just want to thank everybody that was on ACB Radio for, for listening. Um, ACB Media, I'm sorry. And uh, I want to thank... Uh, ACB Next Generation for sponsoring this call and uh, invite you to visit their website at acbnextgeneration.org and also visit my website at pennyforward.com. And if you'd like to get in touch with me, there's a contact form there. And we can also, uh, I can also be reached by email at pennyforward at pennyforward.com. Um, 